Hey, Jason here. Today's video, I'm going to answer the question, is EV stock IDnomics Inc., uh, stock ticker IDX, a good buy? This is a stock analysis for Masterclass student Faisal who requested this in our Masterclass. Before we get to that, though, I need to let you know you can get this series as a podcast anywhere in the world for free on all major podcasting platforms, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and more. You can get this part of the I Love Value Investing podcast anywhere in the world for free. And if you like this video here on YouTube and our other videos, make sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we release a new video and release new videos all the time. If you see my other videos, you know I don't want to do this. I have to do this. I apologize because every time I don't, I get nasty comments. I do not short sell ever. So any stock I talk negatively about, I don't benefit from. I also don't any own any stock uh, in the long position that I talk about either. So I don't benefit from that. This These videos are done to help you uh, learn how to better and faster evaluate stocks. So you spend less time looking at crap stocks, uh, more time looking at potentially great investments. The, because, well, today's video is requested by Masterclass student. Um, and all of our other videos are requested by uh, people on YouTube. I often don't know what the company does. Um, that is the case for today as well. I don't know what the company does. It w- and I purposely keep it this way when this is the case. Why? Because I don't want what the company does to bias me either negatively or positively. This also means I don't care about what the company's story is. I don't care about what the CEO says they're going to do. Um, I don't care how the CEO says they're going to change the world. At this stage of my analysis, it has the company has to have things like margin safety, high profits, um, high free cash flows, and the other things we're going to get into for me to consider looking at it further. If it doesn't have those things, then we don't look at it. Um, why should you listen to anything I have to say? In the first nine years of my career, I produced average annual investment returns in the portfolios I manage of 23.5% per year on average. That puts me just behind the great Warren Buffett uh, when he produced 24.2% average annual investment returns in, a, in his Buffett Limited Partnership. I was going to say the portfolios, but it was a portfolio um, at his Buffett Limited Partnership. My returns in the last nine years legitimately make me one of the best stock breakers in the entire world over that time. And I've almost tripled the stock market in that time. I'm not saying any of this to brag. Frankly, I don't even like saying it. <laughs> but the only reason I am saying it is to prove to you that I actually know what I'm talking about a little bit. Okay, so again, I apologize for that. Don't want to do it. Have to do it. Let's get to the analysis okay so masterclass student Faisal brought this up in our last group training I think it was the 14th um, if memory serves me right and he wanted me to take a look at this for him but I figured I'd take a look at it for you as well which is why I'm releasing it here so I don't know anything about this company um, we didn't talk about the company he just said he would like me to take a look at it so we're going to go from here as we normally do I don't care for Ford PE at all, um, but this is a sign the company is unprofitable right here, that it's not showing a number. Again, I don't care for price of sales at all either, but it being at 7.3 is another or is a sign the company is overvalued by quite a bit. Let's look at this stock chart. What has it done? Actually, let's save that. So... IDnomics Inc. is a global company that facilitates the adoption of commercial electric vehicles and supports next-generation financial services and fintech products. Its electric vehicle division, Mobile Energy Global, MEG, provides group purchasing discounts on commercial electric vehicles, EV batteries, and electricity, as well as financing and charging stations, a 
solutions a model. Um, that's a very confusing sentence. Um, Ideonomics Capital provides fintech solutions that include intelligent and innovative financial services and solutions powered by AI and blockchain. Together, MEG and Ideonomics Capital provide their customers and partners with more efficient solutions for a greener economy. Okay. I have some thoughts on this. Typically, when a company has multiple operations like this, it means they're unfocused, unless they're a gigantic conglomerate like Berkshire Hathaway. Um, it typically means they are unfocused. Typically, that means that's not a good thing. Um, I'm going to reserve judgment on that until we look at the financials, but that is something to watch as we go on in this analysis. Okay, so the revenue has gone up significantly from 2011 at $8 million um, to, for the full year to $88 million in the trailing 12-month period. However, on the revenues, I notice it's been below $10 million before 2017. Then in 2017, it jumps up from $5 million in 2016 in revenue to $144 million in 2017. Then a huge jump up to 378 million in 2018 and then big massive drop to 45 uh, 27 then 88 million in the trailing 12 period um <laughs> that is very erratic i would want to know what's going on here it looks like maybe multiple business transitions um, which is typically not a good sign um, if there are multiple business transitions usually in the numbers you see one business transition you can kind of tell by the numbers that maybe they sold something maybe they bought something maybe they transitioned their business model maybe they transitioned their industry you can kind of tell that in the numbers when there's huge jumps or falls here there's massive jump massive fall and then rise again so i, I would want to know what's going on here from the company this has led to also erratic um, actually not erratic, operating profit margins. Their operating profit margins have actually been negative the entire time, except for in 2019. Other than that, they've been massively negative um, in the hundreds of percent for most of that time. They have, their worst operating profit margin was in 2014, where it was negative 481%. Uh, but last year it was negative 186%. And their trailing 12-month operating profit margin is negative 60.5%. So there's a massive um, negative operating profit margins, which is not good. I look for anything about positive 10% on a consistent basis, which has led. So we are going to look at the stock chart. I'm glad I waited. So which has led their massive negative unprofitability has led to them issuing a ton of shares in the last decade from 10 million shares in 2011 to 335 million in the trailing 12 month period. Now, why am I good, glad that I stopped looking at the stock chart? Because I can almost guarantee that because of that massive dilution, that their share price has gone down enormously in the last 10 years. It has, it's down 51.7% in the full 10 years, and it's down, what, January, Let's go, was it January 31st? And from January 31st, 2012, it's down 70.6%. How did I know, without even looking at the stock chart, that that massive share dilution was likely to cause a massive decrease in the value of the company's shares? 
because over the long term, companies are valued based on the cash flows and the profits they produce. In this case, the company has been massively negatively unprofitable for most of the last decade. When that happens, it means the company is losing a ton of money per share on a per share basis. So the company has to issue shares to stay alive or issue debt, which we'll find out in a second. They might have done both. In this case, we're just focus on the, focus on the shares. I knew this was going to, with almost 100% certainty, going to cause a massive decrease in their share price over the last decade because when your share price or when your amount of shares go up and your profits do not go up, it means there are lower cash flow and profits to spread out with um, across more shares. And in this case, an enormous amount of more shares. That's why I knew with what, almost 100% certainty that the value of their shares would be lower in the last decade because they have lower cash flows per share because the cash, the number of shares have skyrocketed. This is a massive problem to watch out for with sub-billion dollar companies, which this is. Um, share dilution can literally cripple companies if they can't figure out how to get out of the cycle of <laughs> relying on share dilution um, and issuing shares to generate profits. If they can't generate profits, if they can't figure out how to get off of that cycle and generate profits from operations, companies can literally kill themselves um, with too much share dilution. An example of that is, uh, I don't remember what the company was, but a while back, maybe a month or two back, we looked at a company who had such massive share dilution. I think it was pretty similar to this and their stock was down 99, I think 0.6% in the last decade. Um, share dilution, again, it's a problem for all companies. It's a massive problem for smaller companies. But surprisingly, their book value per share is down. That's not surprising in the last decade from $1.41 per share in 2011 to $1.12 per share in the trailing 12 month period. Frankly, that surprise is not down more than that. I'm assuming based on the increase in book value per share from 2020 to the trailing 12 month period, there was some kind of acquisition um, in that time frame. We will go see that in a second. With their massive unprofitability on an operating profit basis, their ROICs have been massively negative the entire decade as well. Um, again, massively. Their worst, their kind of average is probably around 100, 120% negative, which means for every dollar they spend um, or they generate in sales, they lose $1.20. That's what that means. That is not a good thing. Uh, free cash flow sales, again, massively negative, um, as expected, because they're losing. So they're losing a ton of money everywhere. And the only reason, the only way they're surviving, at least as of this look, is by issuing shares. Um, and it's mostly by issuing shares because they have a decent amount of short-term debt now. Um, but they do not, according to this, have long-term debt. We'll see what this is um, when we get to the balance sheet, for sure. But again, I'm assuming there's an acquisition in 2020, 2021 sometime because their short-term debt went from 0.25% of the balance sheet in 2020 to 12% in the trailing 12 month period. Um, they do have a decent amount of cash. And another sign they acquired something is their intangibles are up as well, which we'll talk about in a second. 
They do not have a cache converter cycle for most of the last decade. Um, so it's frankly not even useful to talk about because it's, yeah, I would like to talk about it here because it matters, but it's kind of impossible to talk about because the individual numbers themselves don't matter in a single year period. It's the trend over time. Okay, we talk about this on occasion when we see it. Interest coverage ratio when it's negative, uh, it means the company cannot cover their current interest payments on their debt with current um, operating cash flows. Uh, operating profit, sorry. Of course, that makes sense because they are unprofitable on an operating profit basis. Um, but when you see this, it's not a good thing. Um, and it means, again, the company has to issue shares or issue debt or both to continue to surviving. You typically want to see anything above one here, a positive one here, and the high, typically the higher, the better. Okay, balance sheet. So they have a, it's not showing the trailing 12 month numbers. Why? Well, because I'm on manuals. That's why. Okay, so they have a ton of cash. They have $411 million in cash. Their entire market cap is $924 million. So that's good. That's actually very good. That means almost half of their balance sheet is made up, or half of the value of the company is made up in cash. That is not good if they continue burning a ton of capital. Um, to illustrate that, they lost $42 million in free cash flow in the last year, or in the last 12 months, which means um, they're burning through cash at a decent rate. Although, again, that's far more than enough cash to offset that. Okay, let's go back to the balance sheet. So they have definitely acquired something because their goodwill has gone up from 1.17 million in quarter four 2020 to 104 million in quarter two 2021. How do I know? Again, I've, I've been seeing signs that they've acquired something. How do I know now that looking at the goodwill, they definitely acquired something because goodwill is an accounting number um, that means, again, account, <laughs> according to the definition, means um, this is the excess value a company paid to acquire another company above its book value. In other words, let's say a company has a book value of a billion dollars and a company pays $2 billion to acquire it. That company that acquires um, the company being bought would have a book or a goodwill asset on their balance sheet of $1 billion after the acquisition takes place. This has almost zero real world value, especially for smaller companies. Meaning I would write 100% of this uh, number off the valuation. Um, when I were to, if I were to value the company, meaning it would lower the balance sheet strength by about $104 million and it would lower the valuation of the company by $104 million. Why do I write it off entirely, especially for smaller companies? Because again, this is purely an economic number um, or purely an accounting number, sorry, has no real world economic bearing on companies unless in 99.9% .9 of cases. Um, so when I value it, I would legitimately take $104 million off that valuation. Looks like they did acquire some trademarks and patents as well. That's those have value. Typically they have value. <laughs> do, do, do. 
to have some equity investments. That's interesting for smaller companies. Most companies, most smaller companies do not have equity investments. So that's interesting. I mean, it makes sense because they're a capital uh, company as well, but that's just interesting. Do have a decent amount of long-term debt, which did not show up on the other sheet. That showed up as short-term debt. Oh, this is current portion of long-term debt. Okay. So they have about $84 million in debt, total current debt and capital lease obligations. Again, they had $1 million before the acquisition. And I'll look what that acquisition was in a second. They do not have any long-term debt, but they do have long-term capital lease obligations. Uh, but their cash more than covers those long-term and short-term debt and capital lease obligations. So that's, again, adds a surprising amount of margin of safety here. So I wasn't going to talk about this, but I pretty much have to. <laughs> uh, retained earnings and accumulated deficit. When this number is positive, it's retained earnings. When this number is negative, it's called accumulated deficit. What this shows is the entire cumulative profit if retained earnings or loss if accumulated deficit or the entire course of the history since it's become public. So what this means is over its entire history, this company has lost $357 million um, since it became a public company. That is not good. Um, the reason it's not good is this has a real world economic impact on the company because it acts as a drag on the company. How? If I were to buy the entire company, this means essentially there's $357 million less now than there was when they started the company. Meaning another way to put that is they've burned $357 million to grow the company. Um, if they're growing it well, then it can turn out well but most companies never get out of this cycle. So this is an important number to watch that I don't talk about enough on here because frankly, we don't see it uh, very often, but that is interesting to see. When it's positive, can be a very good positive because that uh, when it's retained earnings and it's positive and it keeps growing, that means the company's not only earning profits every year, but it's earning profits that it can reinvest in the business um, to grow the business in a healthy way. Uh, nothing else on the balance sheet. Cash flow statement. Okay. Mm -hmm. So another issue. They had to impair or write down uh, $60 million worth of stuff. Again, whatever stuff that is in the last year. That's not a good thing. Um, that destroys value of on the balance sheet. And it also, um, I believe, is a cash flow charge on the company, which is why um, it's on the cash flow statement. When a company has to write down or impair stuff, it means the value of whatever they had to write down is worth less, or in some cases, zero, if they have to write it down completely. Again, that is not good. Purchase acquisition of a business. So we've been saying this whole time, it looks like they bought a business and they did. Looks like they paid two payments for it. Quarter one, 2021, 55 million. Uh, quarter to 2021, 45 million. So let's go see what that acquisition was. They bought Via Motors, valued at up to $630 million. Via designs and plans to manufacture commercial electric vehicles for the global fleet market, 
which experienced significant growth in its transformation to electric propulsion. I don't, I've never heard of Via um, Motors, so I don't know anything about the company. The structure is interesting. So they had a base price of $450 million with up to potential $180 million in earnouts. Um, what that means is <clears throat> an earnout is they will get that money if they meet in certain uh, criteria or thresholds. And it looks like this was certain vehicle deliveries. So if they do not meet, well, again, let's say it's 100,000 vehicles. I have no idea what it is. If it's 100,000 vehicles and they don't meet that, they will not get paid either all or a portion of that, depending on how the contract is. If they meet at that, they will get paid all or a portion of that as well. So fans, so they acquired an electric vehicle company. This is another reason why they've issued a ton of shares as well, because they use their stock to, for the acquisition, or at least in part for the acquisition. That was a large part of the acquisition, which is why they only have $100 million in the cash flow statement, because the rest of it was their shares. Which actually their shares are worth less now than they were at this point of the acquisition, meaning in technical terms that the, um, the deal has not been accretive to shareholders, meaning it hasn't added value to shareholders. At least they don't perceive value of the shareholder. Uh, the shareholders don't perceive value from this yet. Okay, so they acquired that company. We'll see if that pans out down the road, but that is what the investment was. And because of that, they also issued some debt $120 million. So they issued debt, they issued stock, um, and they paid some cash for the company. So that, most of this is not good, <laughs> um, in all honesty. Um, company doesn't meet really any of my thresholds over here in terms of profitability. I should be, so I don't think any of them. Um, it's acquiring businesses at a likely highly overvalued rate. Um, why do I say that? Because most companies in the EV space right now are enormously overvalued. Um, so I would assume they overpaid for that acquisition and they paid for that acquisition by, again, not cash flows, uh, at least most of the non-cash flows. They did that by issuing shares, which massively diluted shareholders, which has led um, to continued decline in the share price in the last decade of about 70%. And they've also had to issue debt to do that because they're not earning enough from operations. Plus, they're still losing money even after the acquisition. So not good all around. And I won't be able to look at their valuation because they're unprofitable. Um, frankly, I don't know why this is showing up at all. That's not correct. I can tell you right now this is not correct because they're negative on our operating profit basis, which is this number. So that 9.81 positive is not correct. So what I can do here is show you, illustrate to you how overvalued this company is. Again, I can't show you this actual valuations because um, it's not profitable. But what I can do is I can show you, we got here under 
small. Um, find a company of similar size. They are about 900 million. Might take a little while here. There we go. Getting closer. Still getting closer. Get out of your ad. Uh, what's their market cap? $930 million-ish. So, let's find a company of a similar size. One more, hopefully. So let's go with... I don't, I'm not familiar with any of these companies. So let's go with this company, though, um, to see if they're profitable. Actually, I'm familiar with Shoe Carnival. So I'm assuming they're profitable. Um, so actually, they are profitable, at least on a PE, because their PE is there. So let's go there. So what I'm going to do here is illustrate how to get a relative valuation. BL, I think, is what it was. Yes. Oh, a company if it's unprofitable. It might not be profitable. Mm -mm. It should work. Okay. We want that. We want that. Move my tabs. Okay. So they both have nine hundred thirty or approximately nine hundred thirty million dollar market caps. Ideanomics has eighty eight million dollars in revenue in the trailing twelve month period. Shoe Carnival has 1.2 billion. So there's a massive, massive, massive difference there. And the trailing 12 month period, Ideanomics has lost $53 million on operating profit. Shoe Carnival has made $148 million in operating profit, positive. So there's a massive difference there as well um, to the effect of what is about $200 million. Massive difference. Uh, let's go one more. Free cash flow, negative 42 million for Idenomics in the last 12 months. Positive 100 million for Shoe Carnival. So what this means is Shoe Carnival is enormously bigger on revenue, enormously bigger and better on operating income, enormously bigger and better on free cash flow, yet they have about the same market cap. This is the valuation for um, shoe carnival. It actually looks slightly undervalued. I look for anything under eight on enterprise value to EBIT. This is at six point seven four. So they're slightly undervalued comparing to their metrics, which means because they're again, what is that? I don't feel like doing the math in my head. Twenty x. I don't feel like doing the math in my head right now. Twenty x bigger revenues, um, two hundred million dollars plus better profits in terms of operating profits and what one hundred fifty million dollars difference in uh, free cash flows and they're valued about the same on the stock market at least in terms of price shoe carnival is far better valued because they are far better and bigger company at this stage could that change with growth and stuff and yes they're in a bigger trend and all that but again that's why i don't care about stuff at this point in terms of what the company says they're going to do at this point, this illustrates that IDEX is enormously overvalued because it has the same market cap as a company that is enormously more profitable, has way bigger revenues, has way bigger cash flows than it, um, and it's only slightly undervalued. 
this shows that IDNomics is massively overvalued. And for this reason and the other reasons that I talked about, I would not consider buying IDX or even researching it further because it meets literally zero of my uh, criteria. Um, it's enormously overvalued, uh, unprofitable, um, massively diluting shareholders and causing massive loss in share prices. Um, with this, again, at this stage, I don't care about what the company says it's going to do or any of that. At this stage, the company, there's way too much risk um, in this company for me in the portfolios I manage. So buy, sell. I hope this was helpful. Uh, again, Masterclass student buy, sell. Um, request this. And I appreciate this. Uh, this was a good analysis. We had to talk about some stuff we hadn't talked about in a while or maybe ever in some of these videos. So great analysis here. Um, not a great looking stock. And for the portfolios I manage, I could not invest in this um, because there's too much risk. I hope this was helpful, um, not just for myself, but for you all uh, out there as well. If I missed something, if I should explain something better, if I didn't explain something well enough, let me know in the comments below. If you want me to look at a stock like this for you, I'll do so anywhere in the world. Um, I'll look at a stock anywhere in the world for you if it meets three criteria. It's not a bank because I don't evaluate banks. It's not an insurance company because you actually have to dig into the financial statements, um, the 10Ks, to evaluate them. And it has to be producing revenue. Why does it have to be producing revenue? Because I did some videos um, a couple months ago on companies that weren't producing revenue. And they were pretty boring because, again, I don't care about the future story of the company at this stage of my analysis. So if it meets those three criteria, I'll look at a stock for you anywhere in the world. Let me know in the comments below. Again, I am giving preference to masterclass students, which is why I bumped this one up to um, and making this video now, it's to release on 27th of October. Um, and we bump stuff back. So I'm giving masterclass students preference now, but this is the only one on here from masterclass students. If you want me to look at it in stock anywhere in the world for you and it meets the three criteria, let me know. If you're listening on, or watching on YouTube, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, make sure like, love, share, comment, um, and subscribe. And if you do subscribe, make sure to hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we release a new video and release new videos all the time. If you're on uh, subscribe and notified on YouTube. You'll also be um, notified anytime release or that we uh, do a live as well. We're starting to do, to do those more. If you're listening on the podcast, again, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Make sure you do all that same stuff. But on the podcast, we'd also really appreciate a review because the more reviews, views, and lessons we get to our content, the more people we can help. If you're looking for more help on how to become a better investor faster, make sure to check out our free resources below, including our five free gifts where you can get um, my preliminary analysis checklist and worksheet so you can analyze stocks like that, like we just did yourself um, well and fast. You can get that for free as part of the five free gifts below or uh, in the description. You can also get a free PDF copy of my book, How to Value Invest, and a free copy of our guide, Seven Tips to Baking Great Stocks and Three Times You Must Sell. You can get all three of those at, for free at the links below. If you're looking for more help from me, uh, specifically from me on how to become a better investor faster, Make sure to join our bag investing masterclass where if I sell or cussed this in our live group trainings, we're doing live group trainings. Now we have WhatsApp group, we have Facebook group where we all interact and talk with each other and help with each other. And you can request videos and you learn from, uh, learn how to value, evaluate and uh, find great stocks fast in the course videos themselves. Um, plus you learn 23 different valuation techniques and much more to learn more about the masterclass. Make sure to check out the link below as well. But until next time, have a great day. Talk soon.